0: Well, you go on a cruise, and you're way out in the Atlantic. And in the night, the unthinkable happens. The horns begin sounding. You're told the ship is going down. You're going to be in the water. You uh, hope to get in a lifeboat, but the lifeboats aren't there. When you get out on the deck and as the ship is going down, you put on your life jacket and you slip into the cold dark, lonely waters. You're floating around for a while. You can hear off in the distance other people and sounds, but you have no idea how in the world you are going to survive. And then you hear the lapping of oars and people calling out, hello, hello. And you yell from where you are and they hear you and then they see you and they're coming toward you. And the lifeboat, that Big, inflatable, beautiful, yellow lifeboat pulls up next to you and a hand reaches down to the water and you take that hand and you say, wait, before I get in the boat. I want to know if there are any Republicans here. Because if there are, I ain't getting in the boat. Or are there any UT fans in that boat? Because if there are, I'm in. But if there aren't, I'm not having anything to do with all them gigging people. Or take any number of things. I heard y'all calling from a distance, but I didn't hear any southern drawls. Are there any People from the south in the boat, because if they're not in the boat, I ain't getting them with a bunch of Yankees. You would say, that is absolutely ludicrous. And I agree, it would be. Because at this time, at this moment, you in the water and the pontoon boat there next to you, nothing else matters but your salvation from the water. Nothing else matters. All those other things just pale to insignificance. It doesn't matter whether they like sports and you don't, or whether they knit and you don't, or whether they're from a particular region of the country and you're not, or whether they like this and you don't. It does not matter. What matters more than anything else at that moment is they have life in the boat and you need To be there I want to continue that for a moment in a moment but I want to pause and say thank you for letting me be here you have already been so kind to me you've welcomed me and Ricky has been wonderful uh, in staying in touch with me uh, getting ready for this meeting I'm so glad to be with him and Jody and spend time with them And with Jordan and his family and with the elders that I don't know yet, but hope to get to know as a fellow elder. Your young people have been very kind. I got a great bunch of notes from the middle school or junior high class. They sent me a bunch of notes, and I enjoyed reading them. I shared some of them with Ricky. There was one that just I thought was fascinating. It said, "Um, good luck with those lessons. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) That's all it said. Just... (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong, but it sounded like a challenge. You know, like, <laughs> well, good luck with that stuff. You know, I I always enjoy getting to come to Texas and preach. I love, I love my Texas brethren. There's a there's a love for the word and for the preachers of the word that I sense in this state that is in some ways unique, and it's always a delight to be with you. I know a a number of you through my connections. For those of you who don't know me, for nearly 20 years, I was the public relations and alumni director at Florida College. So I saw a lot of the young people that are here. They're not young as much anymore. Some of them are in their 30s and getting up into their 40s that were there when I first went to the college. And some are younger than that. But a a number of them worshiped with us at Henderson Boulevard, where I preach and serve as one of the shepherds in that congregation. But it's a joy to be reunited with a lot of those people. And you have been so kind, so many of you. You've come up and you've told me your name immediately, which I just, God bless you. Because we're talking hundreds and even in some cases thousands of people that have gone through Florida College and have gone over the campus or they're your parents of students and when you come up to me and you go guess who I am you know there are times when I get it and times when I don't and I'm so so happy to be with you. I bring you greetings from some of the saints that are with us. The kings send their love Charlie sends his love I had had breakfast with him, and he was talking about you. And the Britzes that were here for years um, are with us and others that are there. Uh, it's, a, it's a joy to be here. You've been so kind, and worship has been so rich for me already. The p- prayers that have been offered, the reading of the scriptures, the songs that Tim has led us in. Man, that last song, it's like they wrote it for this series. It's just perfect for what we're talking about. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for letting me be part of you this day. It's been great. It's been a lifetime to get here. This is the first time I've ever been here. I'm in my late 60s now, and I'm so glad that I finally got here. Not just to Texas, but here to be with all of you. Thank you for making me feel welcome. Let me tell you some other things that'll happen when you get in that boat. When you get in that boat, Nothing remains yours. Did you ever think about that? I mean, you're no longer yourself. You're now part of a group of people who have one major goal in mind, and that is to share whatever resources there are, whether it's arms to row or navigational skills or food that is there or medical help if there's somebody in the boat that needs it. All those things now become this intense community that shares all things. It's not, a, it's not a communistic organization. It isn't that at all. There are those that read those passages in Acts, they had all things in common. Oh, it's communism. No, it wasn't that. But the point is similar to that of the lifeboat. If I if I happen to grab a box of Hershey's candy bars before I went into the water, and I get on the boat with those candy bars, they're no longer mine. I can't say, no, 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 these are mine, because I'm in the boat with everybody else. I have some responsibility toward them. I have to help take care of them. I, if I'm used to getting up and doing calisthenics early in the morning, I can't just get up and start doing jumping jacks at the end of the pontoon. I can't do that. I to take everybody else into consideration. Every, we're now sharing in this life. I was, on the, I was on the plane yesterday, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the misery of that day. But I will tell you this, you know, we're sitting on the tarmac and we can't get back, can't leave and we can't get back because there's lightning in Tampa. Yeah, lightning capital of the world. And, and the ramp crews can't come out to service us, so we're just sitting in the plane. And it was funny because as the longer we sat, people just started kind of interacting with each other. And this one lady said... I have Xanax if anybody needs it. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. yeah, I'll take some, you know, bing, bing, push that button, send it back here. <laughs> I got Xanax, yeah. And then a couple of other people, I got Ambien, I don't have that, but I got Ambien if you want that. There's a sense in which when you're, when you're in that kind of situation, a confined situation, that everything becomes common to everybody else, and, and it's what you share together. It's what you koinonia together. So we're talking in this particular lesson about sharing the body, sharing in the body of Christ. God saves us as individuals. We're all saved as individuals, but the ones he saves, he puts in the body and he groups them together. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, So we are members of his body and individually members of one another. We now share this lifeboat. I'm not looking at literally a lifeboat here. But let's say, let's say this is what we're talking about. A group of people who are brought together for what purpose? Because we like each other. Because we just need something to do on Sunday mornings? No, because we've been saved and we are the saved and we are with the saved. We're in this lifeboat called the body of Christ, the church of the Lord, and now we have to live in community with each other. And it's not bound by geography, it is not bound by language. It is not bound by money. We are not a demographic age or nationality or intellect or look. We are none of those things. We have this koinonia because Christ saved us all. Hallelujah. Praise God. He saved us, and now we're in this body together. So I also share this boat with people that I don't know. You know, that guy in the water, if, I'm in, if you're in that water and they reach down, they go, no, I'm not getting in that boat. I don't know anybody there. I want to know, I want to be in a boat with people I know. That doesn't become important if I'm trying to get out of the water, does it? So I may share the boat with people I don't know. And I'll go one further. And I know some people argue about this, but I still think I'm right about this. It's great to live in America you know where you have a right to be wrong that was funny by the way (laughs) I share this boat with people I don't like I don't like everybody in the body of Christ I love them but I don't like everybody in the body of Christ I mean, I don't have a a lot in common with some people. And with some people, it's the exact opposite. We don't have this, but if we had a brother in our congregation whose favorite food was to go to the all-you-can-eat liver house, he and I had never eaten together. Never. My mother used to say of me, I would get exasperating to her, and she would reach a point where she'd say, Son, just go away. She said, I love you, but I don't like you very much right now. I understood that. I understand that. You do too. I don't have to like everybody in the body of Christ. You know, Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp contention with each other, they couldn't even work together. They loved each other, though. They loved each other, and the work was even done by the two of them to a greater degree than if they had remained together. Good came out of that. They didn't like each other, but they loved each other. And that same thing is true in the body. I'm in that boat with people I may not like or want to spend time with. But what matters more than all those things is the fact that that boat is where the saved are and I need to be in it. And the relationship exists whether I with you exists whether I acknowledge it or not. I, I don't have to even know who all is in that boat For that to be true because that is objectively true that affects my relationship with others subjectively look I'm in the I'm physically in the boat with everybody else that's an objective statement but subjectively that can be a pleasurable experience or it can be miserable it all depends on how I now react experientially with everybody that's in the boat. So let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to Romans 12 with me, if you would, please. I want to spend just a couple of moments there. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> begin, I begin in verse 6. By the way, we're going to come back to this verse in a later lesson in much more detail. But suffice it to say that for now, we'll get these major ideas. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. This is the New American Standard I'm reading from. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Give preference to one another in honor. And then verses 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, those verses all all point to how we treat each other in this lifeboat, how we give preference to one another, how we show hospitality, how we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So let me show you, please, how this takes place. The body cares for its members. The body of Christ, the people in this lifeboat, the people in the body of Christ care for its members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 says, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members, listen, but that the members, listen, that the members may have the same care for one another have the same care for one another. We are not individuals. That song we sang, we are one, is the idea that we are the body of Christ. And there's another song that has that very message in it. I remember Aaron Clayton's here. Aaron taught that to us at Henderson Boulevard. We are the body of Christ. This idea that we have to respond to one another. And, and the different ways of doing that are shown in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. I'm, I'm going to run over there real quick. And I want you to think about how important it is that we respond to each other as the needs are, not a uniform response to everybody. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted. help the weak, and be patient with everybody. Uh, patience is the only thing that we find that's consistent across the board in those. But I want you to think about how different we have to respond to each other. It's not the same response for everybody. We are to admonish the unruly. People who are not walking properly, who are causing disruption to the body, who are causing damage to relationships, are to be admonished. It doesn't say encourage them. If you encourage the unruly, you create a horrible situation. If somebody's being unruly in the body of Christ and you're saying, yeah, keep it up, keep doing it, go, you keep doing that, you're bringing about the exact wrong thing. The same thing is true in the faint-hearted. We are told to encourage the faint-hearted. Don't you don't admonish faint-hearted people. If you admonish faint-hearted people, you just drive them away. If somebody says, "Man, I just don't know if I can do that." "Well, you big coward, why don't you just get up and do it?" That's admonishing. And, and helping the weak, you don't admonish the weak, and, and you don't encourage the weak, you help them, you help them achieve what they need in that situation. So the body responds to the needs of the member in every case, so let, let me give you an illustration. I'll use my physical body. My body responds to the needs Of every part of my body when my stomach is hungry the rest of my body goes foraging for food my mouth gets ready we're ready teeth are ready yeah we're ready bring it on you know all the part my nose sniffs it out Mm, that smells good smells like barbecue all my eyes are looking for it my hands are bringing it in all this because some part of my body said I'm hungry Now, it works the other way, too. I stay in a lot of hotels, and I stay in a lot of homes, and and I love being in both of those. But that means in the middle of the night, if I need to get up to get water or go to the restroom, I'm in a strange place, and I don't always know where all the furniture is. I do find out where the furniture is, (laughs) but it's not always pleasant. So I'm getting up in the middle of the night, and I didn't see the, the little table in the middle of the room, and then... That's a bare toe. I don't sleep in my shoes. My big toe slams into the leg of that table. I want you to think about what happens as soon as that occurs. My big toe hits the table. The rest of my body doesn't go, well, you stupid toe. You just got what you deserved. We're not going to do anything. We're not. No, my whole body goes into action. My entire body responds. First thing is all the nerves fire. All the way up to the brain. Ow, that hurt. My mouth responds. Oh, I groan. My eyes respond. They begin shedding tears. We're in it. We're in this. My hand immediately grabs that toe and cushions it. Oh, give it some warmth. And while I'm that way and I'm not leaning against anything, my other foot goes into action, hopping up and down so that I can maintain that position for a while. Everybody is there. My head is throbbing. We're in it. We know how bad that hurt. Everybody's there. My whole body is in action because of what happened to one. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was the way the body of Christ was? Somebody's missing in action. Hey, hey, something's wrong. And it doesn't have to happen for a long time, you know? I I wouldn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm missing my little finger. I wonder how long ago that happened. And then I go find it, shriveled up three months ago, laying on my pillow. Well, good night. But sometimes we have people in the body of Christ, they go missing like that. And we, and we just say, well, wonder what ever happened to them. I would not say, well, wonder what happened to that. Well, I guess it's gone. I don't do that with my finger. I go looking for it. I try to figure out what did happen in that situation. Because I don't want to repeat it and have it happen on the other side, too. If we had that response in the lifeboat, in the lifeboat, we wake up one morning and one person's gone. Hey, wonder what happened to him. I don't know. These things happen. I want to find out what happened. I mean, if there's a shark who's learned to come up over and pull people back down, I want to know where the shark's coming. I don't want to be near that edge of the boat. The the point is the body takes care of itself. It looks after itself. Somebody throws something toward your eye, your lids go immediately close. Your head turns. It doesn't say, look out, eye, something coming your way. We don't do that. We respond in the body. And one of the reasons we respond like that is found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If anyone is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Why? Looking to yourselves. I want to respond because that's the way I want people to respond when I'm in that situation. I want people to care about me. And and one of the ways we do that is to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And and one more thought about that before I leave it. Sometimes, and I'm going to say this bluntly, but I don't want you to think I'm saying this confrontationally, but I want to make sure you understand this. Just like when I'm in the lifeboat, I have to buy into doing only the things that will not jeopardize life in the boat. When I become a member of the body of Christ, I'm no longer an individual. I'm not an individual. We're living in a culture where individualism is supreme, So what that means is I can do whatever I want to do. I can call all the shots for myself, including whether I want to be a man or not. If I say, no, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. I have no right to determine that because some things have already been determined by God. And gender issues are determined by God. And in the same way, in this boat, I'm not an individual anymore. I can't say, I'm going to do it my way. I'll do, I think the boat ought to go this way. And, and everybody else says, nope, that's not the way to go. We've watched the sun come and go. We need to be headed in that direction. I can't say, nope, I'm going this way. I'm in the boat. I have to make decisions that affect everybody else in a proper way. So what that means is this. All that was said to say this. If you're in the body of Christ... Your marriage is not your private business. It's not. Because if your marriage is in jeopardy and you're in sin, that affects everybody in the body. Isn't that what First Corinthians chapter 5 says? A little leaven leavens a whole lump. And gossip is not your right, nor is lying, nor is covetousness, Nor murder or any other things like that. It affects the body. My little finger, back to the illustration, can't say, I wonder what happens if I dip myself in water and stick myself in a socket. My little finger, and the rest of the body says, No, don't do that, little finger. You do not, you don't want to do that. And the little finger says, hey, you guys take care of yourselves. I'll take care of me. Is that going to affect the whole body? It absolutely is. I stick that finger in the socket. We're all lit up. What the finger did affects all of us. And that's true in the body of Christ. So my work ethic and what I do with my resources and my marriage and my relationships with children or siblings or neighborhood friends It affects the body. Those things can affect the body. Now, I do not mean to imply by that that if I decide I want to go buy a bowling ball that I've got to consult everybody else in the body. But moral issues are not my personal right anymore. I'm part of the body. And if I'm not willing to live by that, and I just need to jump out of the boat. Because I can't live in the community of believers and live in sin and it not affect the body. Rarely, it is rare for me to be able to say, that's my business, you mind your own. Not in the lifeboat. It is important for us to live together. And, And we do that actively, the way I've talked about here, and prayerfully. We do that prayerfully. James chapter 5, verse 16. It's a great passage. It's a very important one for us to remember in our relationships with each other. It says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. Back to our illustration. Let's suppose there's somebody in the body who suddenly comes down with a raging fever. They're in the lifeboat. They've got a raging fever. I mean, it's really high. Does that affect the rest of us? Should we be concerned about that or say, wow, that's really terrible. In a lifeboat, you better take thought about that. That may have happened because they ate something the rest of you haven't eaten yet. Or it may be something contagious they picked up and in a lifeboat, that's going to go around before it's all over. It's difficult to isolate somebody in that situation. You jump on that. You do all you can to try to get that person well as quickly as possible because that situation may affect everybody else. Confess your sins... To one another, not confess that you've sinned, but your sins. This is not a call for us to give all the sordid details about everything that's happening in our lives, but it is to say, I can't pray for you effectively if you don't tell me what to pray about. I can't. And so we need to think about one another and sharing life with one another in this particular matter. And the body is bigger than me, and it's even bigger than my local congregation. Those prayers can extend to congregations in the area and congregations in the state and congregations in the region and congregations in the United States and congregations all over the world and individual brethren in other places. I need to be praying. Why? Because as the body is strengthened, I'm a recipient of the benefits. Go back to the illustration. If I eat right and I exercise right, my whole body gets the benefits of it. Everybody's doing their part, the body is stronger. And so I need to be concerned about that and care about that. And then this, oh, back, the last point. The body honors its members. The body honors its members. And and this idea is found, go back to Romans chapter 12. We'll look at it again real quick. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. That passage said, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Preference to one another. My body has no rivalry in itself. If I were to approach these steps... And I go to step down with the left foot and my right foot says, no, I'm going to beat you to it. And then the left foot goes and then the left foot goes, no, right. No, I'm going to beat you to it. Or I'm trying to walk and the feet are running ahead of themselves, trying to stay up with it. Or my left hand goes to reach something, right. hand goes, no, I got it. That's that's ridiculous rivalry in a body. There's no way that that body can survive long if the members are warring with each other. And in the body of Christ, the same thing's true. Now, I'm going to say something. I I want you to understand it. There's a little bit of levity about it, but there's a, a lot of truth. We who preach the gospel struggle with this rivalry concept. People who have public positions Often struggle. I'll give you an example. Let's just say, let's say Ricky comes to Henderson Boulevard and he preaches a sermon. He preaches a sermon on Sunday morning and his sermon is on the prodigal son. And, and after services, I'm standing around and here, here come my members. Our members come and they go, oh my goodness, Brother Jenkins, that has got to be the best sermon on the prodigal son I have ever heard. My favorite passage in the Bible, I have 19 sermons on the prodigal son. And all of them went down the tube for Ricky's one lesson. Or they'll say, I have never heard anybody explain that passage that way. Whoa, 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 I did just a few weeks ago. (laughs) And even worse than the best sermon on the prodigal son is, Brother Jenkins, I think that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. Now, that's, that's fine accolades for him, but sometimes the rest of us are going, whoa, what am I, chopped liver? Am I, am I out of this? Now, I use myself because you'll understand the point, but I got to tell you, it applies to all of us. Because here's what I have heard. I've heard people say, everybody makes a big deal out of so-and-so leading singing. Well, that's fine. I'll just never lead singing again. Nobody makes a big deal out of me. Nobody says those things when I get up. Or a teacher. Somebody gets up and makes a statement. Wow, I went into the third through fifth grade class this past week. You won't believe what those teachers are doing in that class. They got the greatest video they made about the life of David. It's wonderful. I've never seen anything like it. And all the other third through fifth grade teachers say, I quit. Nobody made that big deal when I was there. We sent all the third through fifth graders up in a hot air balloon. And nobody said anything about that. (laughs) We never found them again. (laughs) But people quit. They quit. They quit doing things. Because they don't feel like they're being honored. Like other people are being honored. My body doesn't do that. occasionally I'll have somebody say something about my hair, the fact that I have it, or that it's the color that it is. love your hair. My liver doesn't say, that's it. Nobody ever compliments me. I'm shutting down. I'm done. But nobody has ever complimented my liver. Never have. And there are some parts of the body we spend a lot of time and effort on, and other parts of the body that we really don't put much effort into. So we take pictures of our faces all the time, but nobody shares sonograms of our kidneys. (laughs) But do the kidneys get upset about that? Does the liver get upset about that? Does the heart? No. No. Why? Because we're all part of the body. We're all part of the body. So we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. So somebody comes into the building, let's say, Monday night, and says, oh, you won't believe it. You know that radio station had that big contest going on? I was the fifth caller. I got the answer right. I got a new car. And some people say, wow, that is so cool. And other people say, well, I've tried that contest for years. I never won a single thing on it. And I need a car. They don't even need a car. They, They just bought a car six months ago. How come it wasn't me? That's not rejoicing with those who rejoice. I think sometimes it's easier... To weep with those who weep, than it is to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because we get covetous. Or our feelings of entitlement start rising up with that. So, what we do is we rejoice with those who weep. You know, yeah, I won that car and then I wrecked it a week later. Oh, so sorry. There is a God in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> or we weep with those who rejoice. Yeah, but the radio station agreed to fix the whole thing up. They gave me a brand new car from scratch. And we weep. We weep. They rejoice. We weep. That's not what the Bible says. The scripture says, learn to care enough about each other that you can put your own personal feelings aside and bless them by the things that you do. I can't compete when I'm no longer an individual. When I think about myself as a member of the body, then I'm not competing anymore, folks. I'm not looking around to see who's getting the accolades and who's getting the praise and who's being blessed physically, financially, emotionally. How come they're engaged and they're getting married and I've been wanting to get married for months and I can't find somebody? That's not right. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It's important for us to remember to do that. In Numbers chapter 11, there's a story. And I'm not going to go back there and tell it, but you can look it up. Numbers chapter 11, there are some, some of Moses' disciples who come to him and they say, hey, there's these guys and they're prophesying outside the camp and they didn't come join us. And Moses says, you know, leave them alone. You can't do that except by God. Just let it go. Let it go. Quit being so competitive. So when Ricky comes and preaches on the prodigal son, I'm going to say, that's probably the best lesson I ever heard on the prodigal son. Rejoice. How do I react? And let me take it one step further and then we're we're done. How do I react when I hear about the successes of some other churches? You know, there are some churches that they're, they're dwindling. And they may hear somebody from this congregation say, man, we had, a, we had a packed house. And the people of that church say, well, we got lots of empty seats. That's just not right. Can I rejoice in that situation with the ones who are being blessed? And can you and this congregation rejoice with things that are happening in other churches that maybe aren't happening here? Can I rejoice that the next lifeboat over from us Rescued 20 more people than ours did? Can I do that? I better. I better learn to do that. Because that's what being in the body is all about. And I close with this reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to invite you to listen to it. You know, the first century church never told its members... Turn to this passage. Nobody ever was told to do that. Everything was just read. And so the first century church was an oral church. Aural. Oral and aural. Not a visual. And sometimes by just hearing the word, you will pick up nuances you never saw when you read. Listen to the reading. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they're many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, let me pause here. you hear how he is continually emphasizing this idea that I was trying to illustrate for you. We are not our own. We are members of the body and members of one another. And we are very divergent. Jew and Greek, slave or free, male or female, we're very different. And yet we're all together in the one body. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, It is not, for this reason, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not, for this reason, any the less a part of the body. Because if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member... Where would the body be? I I can't imagine. I cannot imagine what it'd be like preaching to a room full of thumbs. If that's all that was here. Somebody said the church at Campbell Road is assembled. They brought in all the thumbs. They put them all up in the pews. That would be an absolute waste of my time and the thumbs. Although I might feel good that I got a bunch of thumbs up for the lesson. But wouldn't that be ludicrous? So we're all different, and we should rejoice in the differences. We are going to talk about that in great detail in one of our lessons. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and the members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Verse 25, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Wow, that's powerful. That is powerful. So, we need to learn to care for each other and to honor each other. To weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And to not think of ourselves as individuals, but members of the body hey, are you here this morning and you're not in the lifeboat? I mean, you may think physically I'm here, but you know you're not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Get in the boat. Don't stay in the water. There's salvation. And the salvation isn't offered by these people, but it is offered among these people. These are people who have come to Jesus Christ and they are in the lifeboat. They are members of his body. And they're reaching out to you to say, come, join us. Get in the lifeboat. If there's something we can do to help you with that this morning, I'm inviting you to put yourself on the line and come down to the front and share the need with the rest of us. That's what we've been talking about in this whole lesson. Share it. You're going to be pleasantly surprised more. You're going to be ecstatic at the way that is received. Not only by God in heaven. Not only by Jesus Christ our Lord. But by the people of god who are here in this place give us a chance to show you that you come now while we stand and sing this song